ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oki Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oki Podcast. And on today's episode, I have another special guest. Um, I've known this guy for quite a long time. And I'm um, really happy that uh, he wanted to come on the podcast and uh, share his story and just have a really cool, genuine conversation. Uh, I went to school with him at IIA. Uh, he's an indigenous artist, designer, and uh, we're going to just dive into everything else that he's been doing and what the future holds for him. Uh, my guest today is George Alexander. What's up? How's it going, everybody? What's going on, sir? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Uh, yeah, I've been back in Oklahoma for probably a little over, or maybe even just coming up on two years. Uh, I was living out in Italy for a little while before that. That's where we met, was in Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we go back since like 2010, 2011. I was going to ask you, when did you go out there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was out there in 2010. You was there before mm-hmm. before me. That's right. But yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on this thing. So yep. all right, let's get into it. Yes, sir. So, George, for the listeners, um, if you could just tell a little bit more about yourself, like where you grew up, um, what was that like? Did you move around a lot? Um, and then what kind of just led you into wanting to pursue this art dream oh, you know okay. all, right, all right and then we'll just dive into anything <laughs> man like there's no script or anything so all right uh well uh, originally i grew up in a small i wouldn't even call it a town i would just call it a community called mason oklahoma and uh it's really close to a town called okima um i spent my second grade all the way up to my eighth grade years there um Really don't remember much before that. <laughs> uh, let's see. My uh, my parents passed away whenever I was 14. And I ended up moving up to Tulsa uh, with my sister, Myra. And um, while I was, uh, I was going to school in Sepulpa. And there, well, okay, all right, like, let me slow down. I'm like throwing a lot of stuff at everybody right now. <laughs> so, um, what got me into drawing? Okay, here we go. Uh, I would actually see a lot of my cousins draw, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was kind of cool. It gave me a way to connect with like my older cousins. And plus, like, um, my mom would always tell me that I was good at it. And you know, I kind of believed that lie. And so I just kept on doing it. I'm like, hey, check it out. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's put it on the refrigerator or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, we didn't really have a lot of money. And my, I'm the youngest out of seven. Whenever I would want to play, they were all way too old to play with me. Yeah. So, like, I just kind of took care of myself. I just, like, well, like, like I would play by myself, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, I remember going out into like our front yard and just like picking up a stick pretending it's a sword and then like these clouds or spaceships coming in <laughs> yeah yeah man shoot them hit them <laughs> yeah <it's> like, hit them <laughs> but um then i remember we got cable and cartoon network first time i ever seen cartoon network i was probably in the second grade 
and uh, they had Toonami on there, which was like a bunch of anime cartoons. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them happened to be Dragon Ball Z. So, like, I really like Dragon Ball Z. I mean, it like shaped my childhood a lot. And um, they would do these things where they would like put fan art onto like a they would just display fan art. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. And since I was drawing, uh, I would start drawing my favorite Dragon Ball Z characters. And for some reason at that point in time, I thought Vegeta was such a badass. So like I would draw him all the time. And then I'd never really submitted anything because I would see people's work on there and just be like, that's really good. There's no way that they're going to put mine on there. But maybe... I will draw one and feel like it's good enough. Well, I never thought it was good enough. So I just kept on drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing, trying to make these things better. Little did I know that I was actually getting better, but like in my eyes, they all look the same. Yeah. And, um, my cousins, um, Sante and Daryl were like also kind of drawing a little bit, especially Sante meet up at church and sit in the back of the pews and we'd grab these little Baptist hymnals and um, draw on the back of the pages cause they were blank and they would do like old English and like graffiti stuff. And since they were doing that, I figured I'd give that a shot too. So I started drawing my name all cool like and everything and writing Andy in like, <laughs> yeah. the classic. Yeah. yeah the classic. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then, yeah, so that's sort of like the the precursor of like how I got into drawing was just because my mom told me I was great. I like Dragon Ball Z and my cousins were doing it. Then um, whenever my parents passed away, um, when I got to Sepulpa, I kind of used drawing as a way to make friends. And I would sit at the lunch table with like a piece of paper and I would just like draw Indian or like uh, at that point in time, homies were kind of like a big thing. Oh, those little stickers. Yeah. 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 So I would just draw those homies all the time. And uh, this guy came up to me and he was like, Hey, it looks like you're Indian. You want to come hang out with us? And so I went and hung out with them. And uh, there was a couple of girls I thought that was cute. So, I uh, like drew their names, try to get their attention. Mm-hmm. And then um, Miami Inc. comes out. And I think it was out like a little bit before I got to Sepulpa. But it was like tattoos were like a really big thing at this point. And um, I, they were like, hey, you should start tattooing and like see what you can do. So, you know, I, I like get on YouTube and see if there's a way to like make a makeshift tattoo machine mm-hmm. and i made one out of a like one of those like mechanical toothbrushes the one like the automatic ones oh, that yeah. you turn on and off mm-hmm. and a mechanical pencil and a guitar string and one of uh one of my friend's cousins had just got out of jail and uh, he was like i want a tattoo I was like okay so i pulled this thing out and like gave him one but it didn't stick and so like I was like, okay, whatever, we'll just keep practicing. Mm-hmm. And so then I gave his cousin a tattoo and it didn't stick. Well then, um, like 
about a month or two of doing this, nothing sticking. My sister Winter asked me if I'd give her a tattoo. I was like, yeah, sure. It's not going to stay or anything. She was like, okay, well, just give it to me on my foot. I was like, all right. Well, what do you want? She was like, uh, just just write my name. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we wrote her name. And she was like, ow, that really hurts. So I was like, yeah, it's supposed to. It's okay. Keep going. Well, like it's been 20 years and that tattoo is still there. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well maybe it's probably been about 15 years mm. yeah 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 um yeah it was supposed to fall out but it never did <laughs> that one stayed that one stayed yeah. that one stayed so the trick is you tell everybody it's gonna fall out and it, it will stay <laughs> um but yeah so uh at this point in time I, I didn't really want to be an artist um i wanted to actually be an auto mechanic and be a mechanic like my dad. So I was in a Votech class doing that, but it turns out it wasn't my like forte. I didn't really like it. So they suggested that I go into this printing class and learn how to make t-shirts. So I did that and that was cool, but wasn't me really. And, um, when I was younger, like whenever I was still into like anime and Dragon Ball Z, I did want to be like a cartoonist. I wanted to move to Japan and learn how to do anime cartoons and um, marry this like Japanese lady. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. One day. One, one day. day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, like, I never really took school seriously. Uh, I basically just partied as hard as I could it got really bad grades didn't know what I was going to do whenever I got out of school so my first job uh was selling knives for Cutco mm. <laughs> oh man that was like one of those knock on the door things where like you're like hi would you like to buy this thousand dollar knife oh really <laughs> yeah oh wow it was, it was rough man I was not good at it oh my god so uh at this point in time I'm like 19 years old and I didn't know what to do. And I knew that this Cutco thing wasn't going to be like a way for me to make money. So I end up going to River Spirit Casino for security. Uh, they told me that I was too young to, to be security because you have to be 21 in order to be oh, on, yeah. uh, on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, this sucks. Um, then... Literally the next day, they called me. I was like, do you want to do an interview? I was like, yeah, but I was already told that um, I couldn't do it because uh, I was too young. So like, no, um, we're just going to keep you outside and you'll come work with us. I was like, okay. So I was the youngest. I was the first security guard ever hired for River Spirit under the age of 21. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> So all you youngsters out there, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for probably about like five or six months. And my aunt, uh, her name is Myra Starr. Um, she tells me about I.I. And she's like, hey, you might as well just go out there for a semester. You like to draw. You know, if you don't like it, then you can come back home and work security. Do whatever you want. It's like, okay, that sounds fair. So I applied and uh got accepted then when i got there 
I had this mentality of like, I didn't care about my grades. I just wanted to learn how to paint and learn other mediums and then try to figure out a way to transfer that into tattooing. And, um, like when I first got to II, I bought like a little China kit on Amazon, a lot of like tattoo needles, tattoo tubes. And then I just start tattooing on people and like, it was like 50 bucks an hour or something like that. I don't remember. You got some of my work on you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's good work. <laughs> then like my painting, it was okay, but it wasn't something that like I thought was great. I remember one of my first assignments. Um, it was, I think it was in like my painting one class is what it was, uh, where Jeff Calm, uh, who actually recently passed away, my condolences to his family. He was a good dude. Uh, it was about the... How many senses do you have? Let's see. I forgot. It was like six senses, right? Yeah. 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 So it was about the six senses. No, it's and five. Five. Yeah. Yeah, because the six Five senses. senses. That's a movie, yeah. George. Yeah, six sense. <laughs> you see ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Just want everybody to know that I don't see ghosts. <laughs> or do I? <laughs> do you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, it, it was about the five senses <laughs> and um <laughs> I, I painted this tree that um had a pair of shoes like caught in it and then it had a camera like connected to it, it was a very weird painting but that's where uh jeff had mentioned that he's like you know you got a little bit of talent like if you keep pushing this you could actually be really good I'm like whatever bro like i'm just here to party <laughs> as we all were <laughs> no. um so now like my first three years there i just like made enough to get by i didn't really do anything real serious then i meet nakona burgess and he um he definitely was a really big inspiration on how to like take my artwork seriously and he came into the studio and he was just like, you know, if you just pull your head out of your ass, you would actually be really, really good. And so um, he was like, I'm going to take these three paintings and we're going to put them inside of this bank. I don't know if they're going to sell or not, but, you know, at least you have somebody looking at your work. It's better to have your work somewhere else than your studio so people can look at it. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So... He takes the, the paintings to, uh, I think it was called Del Norte Bank. And when they were there, it made me feel like I actually was worth something. And <clears throat> shortly after that, uh, a gallery had reached out and asked me to put some more work into their gallery. And then I really thought I was hot stuff, you know. It's a gallery in Santa Fe on Canyon Road. Like, that's where the big dogs hang out. This is awesome. And, uh, like it was cool. It was really good. Uh, I sold like one or two pieces out of it. And like that definitely helped me start seeing that I did have potential to actually make it as an artist. Um, it wasn't until that I met Tony Abeta that like, um, I seen where my life could go. And Tony has inspired me to not only be like the best artist I can be, 
but he showed me what it actually means to be a good human being. Um, I mean, this guy has opened his house up to multiple people and he's very knowledgeable in painting and what it means to be a native artist. So, um, he took me and another artist by the name of Del Kerfman, who's a really good friend of mine. Um, we, me and Del, like we went through the barracks together. Like we were painting buddies since the day one. Uh, we would always keep each other in check. And like, we have this ongoing joke that like the garbage man is our favorite collector. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you paint something for the garbage man? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going right next to your piece. <laughs> um, but Tony had got some funding to do this mentorship. And uh, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was only for two years. And um, once the funding ended, uh, Tony told us that it didn't have to end. Like, you could, we'll still continue this mentorship. Uh, Dell ended up painting inside of his house and I ended up painting with Tony inside of his studio, mainly because I didn't have a place to paint. And, uh, Tony was like, Hey, you can paint up here if you want. And so, um, I did. And that was probably some of the best years of my life. Just painting up there with him. I started to think a little bit more conceptually, uh, and thought, what could my paintings mean as opposed to like just making something to just because it looked cool. And I, in no way do I think I'm some like grand philosopher or anything, but uh, I definitely wanted to find true meaning uh, or meaning that, that that goes into my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I was like maybe a junior out at IAI, I noticed that everybody was using uh, a lot of their indigenous heritage as their um, focal focal point into their work. Like, you know, since it being out in the Southwest, um, there's a lot of Diné and Apache and like a lot of Southwest tribes that are there. So you see a lot of Southwest things like Kachinas and rug patterns and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then from the Southeast, you got a lot of like, Choctaws and like well I mean Oklahoma's southeast compared to um, New Mexico so like even though Pawnee are plain Indians like we were from this side of this this side of um, New Mexico mm-hmm. but yeah. anyway you saw basically everybody um, bringing what tribe they had or that they're from and putting it into a contemporary form which was I thought was absolutely great, but you didn't see too many people trying to, um, take from other sources of culture that they're a part of, um, and making that into like maybe an indigenous thought. Um, typically what would happen is like a lot of people would listen to hip hop and then they would make like a hip hop or like a street style type thing that has their indigenous culture in it. I wanted to, I don't know. I don't know what it was that I was trying to do, but I didn't want to rely solely just on my indigenous heritage as the main focal point. So, um, 
at that point in time, I was listening to a philosopher by the name of Alan Watts and the movie Interstellar had just came out. And those two things completely changed my life. <laughs> um, Interstellar was just a phenomenal movie. Yeah. Like Christopher Nolan is a badass director. <laughs> and um, the idea of like, I don't know. I don't even know why I like that movie so much other than it just being cool. It's a long movie, man. It is a long movie. Like, but it's, I think like whenever they were going into that fourth dimension thing, like that little Tesseract yeah. at the end, yeah, that was so trippy for me. And then like him being on that planet and uh, for every second that goes by is one year mm-hmm. um, in earth. And so like uh, whenever Matthew McConaughey, I forgot his name in the movie. Uh, whenever he got back to his ship, his daughter, who was like 12, whenever he left, was 40. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, I, it was so just like, whoa, man, what is this? Like, I ain't never seen a movie like this before. <laughs> and like, it just blew my mind. It was like, the story was great. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, like, it just opened up a way of thought that I didn't really ever consider up until like I was like 24, 25 years old because I was, I was still focused on just partying and like just being a badass. Like wanted to be this wannabe thug dude, you know, which like inherently is not me. (laughs) 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 So, um, yeah, I, I really started to, become my real self like not really relying on uh what other people expected out of me but just like what i liked and everything it wasn't until i got into college that that i figured out who george alexander really is and so um anyway alan watts um i was looking for uh there's a song by my morning jacket and i always forget the name of it but um, it was a remix and there was a guy that was talking at the very beginning and he said, we all believe in something, even if we choose, there's nothing to believe in. And those words like was another like mind boggling, big word explosion in my head. Didn't ever thought about this kind of stuff before. And like, it just led me down these rabbit holes of like, there's more stuff out there than I knew about and so i guess in a sense what interstellar was was just like a a a a door had gotten open to other experiences that like or other ways of thinking um that i never thought about and that was the same thing for this song even though alan watts wasn't the one that said these words and i still don't know who the guy is in this song i had put out those lyrics on facebook and somebody had commented that it was Alan Watts. So then I go to uh, YouTube and YouTube Alan Watts and I find like these short clips of some of his speeches mm-hmm. of like where people collaged a bunch of um, different types of films together to create like this really cool little music video thing with his words there too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I would listen to those and like I started to feel 
I don't know, like I started to really search for real meaning in life. Uh, I, again, like I don't know half the stuff that like I'm interested in. Um, I just know like a very surface level of this information. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, you know, I started to question what does it mean to to be alive? Like, what is the point of this life? What is what's the purpose? Um, and then like if we had free will or, or if everything's determined, um, things like that. And I don't know. It sort of like made me think deeper, basically. And I still don't know the answer to those damn questions. I don't know if they're important or even relevant on like our existence, but to think about it is sort of like a exercise. You sort of like just go into to these deep trains of thought and like you start to discover like what does it actually mean to be Russell Sun Eagle, you know, mm-hmm. you find out what you truly stand for. Um, and then one day this thought of like, who would I be without the world ever telling me that I was indigenous um, popped in my head. And so I wondered like, would I still uh, be the same person if like, I didn't even know what indigenous meant. Mm hmm. And uh, at this point in time, too, I was painting the astronaut. The first few ones were about looking for a higher purpose, uh, searching for God is what I called the series. And then one of my professors uh, said, well, who's who's the, the astronaut? And I said that it's God waiting for me to find him. And he said, no, that's you looking for God. And that shit just blew my mind. I was like, well, he's right, because <laughs> that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just looking for purpose. I was looking for meaning. Yeah. And um, uh, then the astronaut started to take on an entirely different narrative for me. And it sort of became like a metaphorical self-portrait. I do my best to not put myself into these uh astronauts because i don't want them to be about me i want them to be more of a uh a symbol for searching for whatever it is that you think might make you human and ultimately i feel as if um we hold on to the labels of society too close to our hearts if uh if i woke up tomorrow and uh, I didn't say I was Creek. You didn't say you was Pawnee. Would the sun still rise? Yeah, it didn't have any effect on how nature works. I also think that maybe these labels sometimes get in the way of sharing culture. And I would like to see a world where everybody respects our cultures. And if we can get to that point, then culture itself could be fluid amongst people and you wouldn't have to rely on a label to say um, you are these things because everybody is just one thing which is just human and yeah so whenever I paint this astronaut now it's as if it's like a a person that's just waiting for everybody to understand that we're human Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah 
that's where they are now. At least that's for for the last two years, like that's what they are. Um, so after I graduated from II, I stuck around Santa Fe for a little bit, and Tony had mentioned that he wanted. He was like, you know, it'd be a good idea is if you go to Italy. He was like, I went to the school, the Studio Art College International, and um, back in the seventies, it was a great school. Uh, I want you to apply there, and if you get accepted, just figure out how to make the money happen, and then don't worry about any sort of consequences. Just, just go. You know, you'll figure it out. Like, don't be afraid if you have to go into a little debt. So, um, I end up taking all the money I can out. <laughs> I didn't go into a little debt. I went to a lot of debt <laughs> and uh, go to Italy. And I, it was a good experience. You know, Italy definitely taught me to appreciate the culture that I have. I didn't realize how indigenous I was in a sense. Like I didn't, I never really was like this traditional Indian like I didn't go to a ceremony I didn't go stomp dance or anything I never went to I barely went to powwows so I never really understood what what sort of connection I had to my culture mm -hmm. but the moment that you step away from home for a really long long time you start to understand that like it's honestly this is going to sound so corny but it really is the little things that sort of make us who we are. I just missed hanging out with other Indians and like never had having to explain like the words that I was saying. Not that I speak fluent Creek, but I do know buh. Yeah. I do know chair. <laughs> Ihe. Hola. <laughs> like like I don't know if there's a single Indian out there that doesn't say at least one of those words. Mm -hmm. And uh Never having to say, like, like I would just say, buh, and people would be like, what is that? Is this some, like, <laughs> super sacred word? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, don't say it. <laughs> yeah, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like, I don't know, just having that connection uh, with indigenous people was something that I really, really missed. And um, whenever I got home, it was very nice. It was very nice to be back. Mm -hmm. So Italy was cool. Learned that my culture is like a really big part of who I am. And But I get to define what that culture is. Uh, I don't have to be a ceremonial guy. I can be just this. I can be George Alexander. And that makes me indigenous. Mm -hmm. um, Did you know any of that um, growing up, like heritage and your language and all really. that? So uh, you learned well, it on your own, kinda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a very thank you. You you brought me back. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently just did another podcast with um, my friend Alicia Morrow. It's called the Comeback Society, and and that one I I sort of dive into. Uh, how I learned my indigenous culture. And it had a lot to deal with being at IAIA. Uh, you recently did a podcast with Wes where, um, or, or, you know, Wes Cunningham, he's one trip media, very good friend of mine. He, uh, 
you need to put me and Wes in here together. And, yeah, uh, we're going to. <laughs> Shout out Wes. He's a good guy, uh, man. He's a real good guy. We'll easily take up two hours of your time. <laughs> um, anyway, I remembered you guys had touched on uh, your experience at the II and how you felt like you didn't know much about your culture because everybody there um, seemed to know at least their language and they grew up speaking it and everything. Yeah. And one thing that uh, Nakona told me a long time ago is like, we never really put in the, the perspective of like uh, how colonialism took over the United States, you know, our tribes, especially down in like Georgia and Alabama. Uh, we were like definitely 1491 people that got hit around that, or 1492 people that got hit around that time. Um, we were just like right off the Gulf and people were starting to explore. Maybe not 1492, but definitely like 1600s. Mm-hmm. So like it's a miracle that our people are still alive because we've been dealing with this with colonialism since the, the time that they've came over here. So, uh, the little knowledge that we do know is a miracle. It's it's absolutely amazing that we still know a little bit of who we are. Whereas like people out in the southwest, late eighteen hundreds, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe early eighteen hundreds. I don't know. I'm not a historian. But I do know that it was a significant amount of time before colonizers made it to the Southwest. So they had a little bit more time to figure out how they could rebel or resist um, these colonizers. Yeah. So um, I would say to people out there, never feel ashamed that you don't know the things you don't know. You simply just don't know them. It doesn't make you any less indigenous. But at the same time, uh, pick up a book, read about it. We have native authors now. They like Vindaloria Jr., Sherman Alexi, top two, hands down, really good. Nancy Mithlow, she's really great. Um, oh, man, Joy Harjo, she's a, a poet. You know, so there's definitely, like, uh, indigenous voices out there that are helping people like myself who don't really know a lot about what it means to be indigenous other than... Uh, what we grew up around which ultimately probably wasn't that indigenous i mean my dad didn't speak to me in creek uh i went to an indian church and we spoke creek can or we we sang in creek uh but that was essentially the only thing that i did that i had any sort of cultural connection um then i started to think about like the connection to community and how uh we would have like Every fourth Sunday, we would all eat inside the fellowship hall and we would sit there amongst other Creek Indians or other people. That to me felt just as traditional as going to a stomp dance because um, it was something that I grew up with and everybody else was doing it. So, uh, and it was community based. It was community based for being Creek and other people that were there. So why not consider that to be a traditional thing? And if that can be considered traditional, then uh, going to school at Mason with other Creek Indians, like 
we all grew up doing the same thing that in itself is its own culture it, it's still creek culture because we've been identified as creek uh, you going to school with other Pawnee Indians just because you guys weren't speaking Pawnee doesn't make you any less Pawnee. You guys were doing Pawnee shit with your Pawnee friends because mm-hmm. you guys are Pawnee. Like mm-hmm. you can't take that away. Like no, it doesn't matter if you're watching TV or smoking dope underneath the the bridge. You know, not mm-hmm. that you ever did that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, people make the culture culture itself is just knowledge within a society and if you broaden your horizons if you think about what society means how big is your society it doesn't have to stop at just being indigenous you're connected to multiple people that are not native and you learn and you absorb things that come from them and then you use it or you don't but like that that in itself was like i don't know that that thought has really kind of messed me up a bit because it made me like wonder how indigenous are my thoughts or like how uh how much has the other like the non-indigenous world impacted who I am uh, a really, really special friend of mine. Uh, her name is Leah. I remember I was asking her, like, what does it mean to be a contemporary Indian? And she had, like, mentioned, well, you know, I feel like whenever we go to Hobby Lobby to buy our ribbons to make our traditional dresses, that is contemporizing indigenous ways and that's how we progress and then she's like the copenhagen uh shells you know if skull was never made then those wouldn't have been made either Mm -hmm. and so by using those copenhagen uh can lids to make the jingle dress things like that was another way of like contemporizing a native tradition and that like it really stuck with me. I was like, "Wow, that's that's cool." I never thought about it that way. I I've been pretty fortunate enough to hang out with different different cultures from around the world, uh, a lot of European cultures, and um, uh, definitely a lot of different indigenous cultures, a lot of American cultures too. They say white people don't have a culture, but y'all do. Yeah, it's it's a crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to find it. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's good. <laughs> um, yeah, white wasn't ever a thing until the Civil War, too. Just remember that. From from what I understand, before that, people would be Italian, German, uh, Swedish, Irish. And you would be these things because you still had that connection. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I don't remember where I read this or who told me, but it was the plantation owners that said, that lower whites had more in common with the slave than they did with the rich plantation owners. So they uh, decided to just start calling everybody white. And that way you would see that you were 
more connected with these plantation owners as opposed to maybe the slave because your skin color was different. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I forgot where I heard that, you know, that, I don't know. It made sense to me. I was like, yeah. Cause like if you're struggling, you're struggling, like that's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Don't quote me on any of that. I might be wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, please, please let me know. Cause yeah. Let us know, you know, you know, <laughs> we're not, uh, not experts. You know? <laughs> we read it and then we kind of paraphrase. Yeah. It yeah we, 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 <laughs> that's how I do too. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just human people. <laughs> yeah. I remember, uh, Joe Rogan was talking about that one time on his podcast. He was like, um, somebody was calling him a, a white guy and he goes, motherfucker, I'm Italian. Yeah. He goes, I'm not white. He goes, and then he was talking about the same thing you were just talking about. Oh, really? Yeah, about everybody's like kind of like that Scottish or German, not just white, like a color white. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody is their own thing, you yeah. know? And so that's really cool we brought that up. That's what, it made me think of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Italy, uh, like white does not exist there. Really? Like the term white. Nobody, nobody calls themselves white. They mm-hmm. call themselves the country that they're from. And granted that the culture is very different from American culture, but essentially it was basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The main differences when it comes to like American culture versus European, especially in Italy, uh, breakfast is basically non-existent over there. Oh, really? Yeah. It's basically a donut and a cup of coffee. That's your breakfast. Yeah. What? No bacon? Yeah. No bacon. No bacon doesn't exist oh, in Italy, man. We ain't going yeah. there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, a lot of deli meats. Um, for all you indigenous people, uh, you've been eating Italian food your entire life and you had no idea. Bologna is from Italy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, there's mm. a place called Bologna. And that's where it's from. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. And it's delicious. Wow. Yeah. Is it? Different than here? Is it the same? It's the same same taste? Yeah. Yeah. It's still good. Yeah. They they smoke it over there? I don't know. I don't think so. I was like, man, let me show you guys a real cool Indian trick. Yeah, what if you did that? (laughs) Put some chips on it? Yeah, it's like, you ever put barbecue sauce on your bologna? (laughs) We got mustard, mayo, barbecue sauce. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, sweet and sour chips. uh, (laughs) All these chips. George, what are you doing? (laughs) So you're going to like it, I promise. (laughs) Uh, the food was amazing over there. They ate a lot of vegetables, a lot of pasta, a lot of pizza. Uh, the pizza's different. Um, How so? Well, like, the first time I ordered pizza, I was with me and, like, a couple other people from the from the school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, we'll just take one margarita, which is basically a cheese pizza. And they're like, are you sure? Just one pizza? Like, Yeah. Yeah, it should be enough for all of us. And they're like, okay. And uh, so they come out, and they're like, they look big, mm-hmm. but they're the the dough is super super thin, and then the sauce, and then it's like slices of mozzarella on top. Oh. And um, it was good, mm-hmm. but yeah, like that is enough for one person. Like you eat the whole pizza by yourself, mm-hmm. and it looks massive. You don't think you can do it by yourself. But you can't. <laughs> um, pecorino cheese is amazing. 
uh, prosciutto. I never had prosciutto until I was over there. It's just, it's, I guess that's about as close as you can get to bacon. Oh, really? Yeah. But super, 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 super thin. And uh, it looks raw, mm-hmm. but I think they cure it and it's salty. Uh, but it's good. It's good. Um, and then the Parmesan over there, like, so they, they got fry bread too. Mm-hmm. And but it's these little fry bread dough balls, and it's about like that big. Well, you guys can't see, but it's like the as round as I don't know, a, not as big as a tennis ball, but smaller than I don't know, big as a Rubik's cube. Uh, yeah, a Rubik's cube, a square Rubik's cube. Imagine it was round, though. but imagine it was round. Yeah, and that's the size. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, and then you you took what's called buffalo mozzarella. Fun fact, buffalo is, uh, I don't know if it was Italian, but they call their cows buffalo over there. And so I was really confused because what we call buffalo here are bison, mm-hmm. and they're not the same animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, what are they doing having a herd of bison over here getting this cheese for <laughs> <laughs> um anyway it's good cheese buffalo mozzarella or buffalo um you get some of that and you put it on top of your fry bread dough ball and um then you put the prosciutto on top of that and you eat it like a little sandwich and it's like a little appetizer mm-hmm. oh dude that was Damn. a match made in heaven bro <laughs> it was good it was good um, let's see. My favorite thing was just the uh arugula salad with these really big chunks of parmesan and then like flanked steak on top of it. Oh shit. Yeah, it was wow. good. It was good. And it was all fresh, man. Super super fresh. Can't uh, beat that. Yeah. <laughs> then like everywhere you go, you can have coffee and wine. Wherever you, it doesn't matter, man. Like, if you feel like coffee, drink some coffee. If you feel like drinking a glass of wine, didn't matter what time of day, you just drink a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody got, like, belligerent drunk over there except for all of us study abroad students. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely had my days in, in Florence, but we ain't going to talk about those. <laughs> um one of the cool things I also learned out there was uh, how to look at art um, and how do we sort of define art. Art isn't really the object. This is this is how I see it. Art isn't the object. So if I make a painting, that becomes a product of the art. The Where the art plays is the conversation around around the piece or it's the the making of the piece but the piece itself is not the art we we project art onto it and so now you're probably like well what is art well one of my professors told me uh, her name was daria and she had said that art is a conversation and that was the best definition to art that I have ever heard. And it makes a lot of sense. Cause like, you know, if I were to take my Perrier 
bottle that I have right here. And I put it on a pedestal and I'm like, look how magnificent this is. What can you tell me about it? Why do I consider that to be art? Well, I can look at it very many different ways and tell you about why I think that's art. Uh, the shape itself, the color green, the way that it interacts with the space around here, how light hits it, you know, all these things is a conversation that this bottle's having that we're completely unaware about, like, mm -hmm. um, until we start to, to pick it up, you know, and we start to, to digest it. But that bottle is saying it all. And, you know, it isn't until that we start to, to sort of like figure out what that bottle is doing, like just being in this space. Um, it doesn't have to have this grandiloquent meaning or, or metaphor. Um, right now I'm working on a piece that, uh, this lady had asked me to create a piece about resistance and, um, it's going to be an abstract piece. That was, those, those were the only two stipulations. Well, and then it's got to be 48 by 48 too. But anyway, uh, it's up to my discretion on how I choose to represent resistance. And I really thought maybe showing like this clash between American and indigenous cultures, but that's not really resistance. I mean, it is a form of resistance, but that's not resistance itself. Um, so how can you just represent resistance solely by itself without any narrative? I mean, that's what sort of minimalism was kind of about was like just allowing the object to be the object without any sort of like story behind it that gave you uh direction of what the piece was about. Sometimes an object can just be an object and that's good enough to be art. And then you have that conversation about the object and then you fully understand what that object means inside of that space. Because once you figure out, like sort of dissect that part, you can throw any narrative you want onto it. You can project whatever it is. When did you, <clears throat> when did you move back? I moved back in like 2019, mm -hmm. June 2019, I think was like the time that I came back. And my, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, my, my goal was to stay until uh, Indian market, the next Indian market. And uh, the pandemic happened and they canceled that. So I ended up staying here, which might have been the best decision for me anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I, I mean, I still like Tulsa. Tulsa is great. And it's a it's a growing city. Um, I've met a lot of really dope people by being here that want to, to make Tulsa better and trying to push it into a more progressive city. And uh, I recently just got back from New York for, for moving my sister. And um, on the way up there, I was curious to know how Tulsa stood like population-wise with these other bigger towns. And... Uh, we're actually bigger than Buffalo, New York. Really? Yeah, yeah. But why does nobody want to come to Tulsa? <laughs> we have plenty of coffee shops. Like, <laughs> I mean, we got everything here, yeah. man. Like, I mean, once the pandemic goes away, because before that, man, it was like, fuck, there was like concerts here yeah. every weekend. There yeah. were fights. Yeah. 
I kind of want to keep it like a little secret because mm-hmm. then if we let everybody know how great Tulsa is, they're going to come here. <laughs> and then there's going to be long lines everywhere. There's going to be real traffic jams. There's none of that here right now. <laughs> there is sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'll get on the fucking 169 and yeah. it'll just be like a pain in the ass. Yeah. but usually That's mostly because of construction, though. That or somebody has an accident. Yeah. So... Yeah. And then they're like just standing outside their car looking around at yeah. everybody and we're all like the the worst spot for traffic <laughs> in Tulsa. Hands down, seventy first and Riverside and uh Highway fifty one and forty four where they mm. connect. Mm-hmm. Oof. Those are some brutal spots. And then anywhere seventy first and memorial oh, down to like damn. Garnett. And when we say bad, it isn't like a two or three hour jam. It's like a 30 minute jam yeah, that's yeah. it it's annoying because yeah, it's such a nuisance because you're sitting there and, and i don't know sometimes people oh i need to get in this lane so they wait till like everybody's in this lane and then yeah. they try to ease their way in and that's annoying it's like god <laughs> dude and i have to be like the, i'm always a nice guy that i'm like go ahead <laughs> go ahead <laughs> oh oh wait i don't know if i can say what yet yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to be a, an extra in a movie, so the one that's being shot here in Oklahoma. TK. Yeah, no, I don't know. TKO. No. TK. I was gonna say it. Fuck it. The Killers of Fire. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> TKO. I was like, Hold on. trying to knock me out. The killers of. I always been calling it Killers of the Flower Moon, but I don't know what I, I don't know how it goes. But yeah, I, I got a call like the other day, and uh, your boy's gonna be a, a little soldier in the background for real. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, it's gonna be dope. When when you go out there for that? I don't know yet. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, I um. I didn't sign anything, so I think I'm okay to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you apply for that? Oh man, dude! Uh, right before the pandemic happened, like, really? The very first. Oh uh, shit! Casting call. And they still remembered you? I guess so. Uh, let's see. Started working at the casino, try to make ends meet. Started as a bar back. But then ultimately it went to being a host. Uh, that's a that's a fun job. It's definitely like a job where you have to be extremely committed to. Um, taking up a lot of your time. Um, still paint. I'm currently working on a clothing line. Uh, it's called Dead Hat. <laughs> um, it, the the logo is based off of one of my paintings that I did. Uh, it was called Bury Me With My Hat On. And essentially what that painting was is uh, the hat that I, I like to wear from time to time with the skull wearing it. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that like I'm going to live my life the way that I want. And uh, when I die, I will have all of these amazing experiences with me and that hat sort of kind of embodies a lot of those experiences because it sort of became like a like a image thing for me you know Mm -hmm. um so then one night uh me wes and Brittany were at our at my little apartment and i was showing Brittany the 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 painting and she's like oh cool dead hat i like it and then I like Dead Hat. So then um, the next couple of days, we bought a domain, 
set up a little website and then this April or like like somewhere's mid April we're doing a photo shoot once we do the photo shoot we'll plug everything into our website and we'll be up and running so mm-hmm. that's something that uh that one trip media is helping me with because then I can uh, go back to Santa Fe do Indian market and yeah that will be my summer uh just basically painting for for Indian market mm-hmm. and I haven't quite decided on what it is that I'll paint yet. I typically paint like birds and astronauts. I don't, I like birds. I like astronauts. So, um, if you're looking for a bird and astronaut, please let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Email me at gha1491 at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> so you gonna have a booth out there? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have a booth. <clears throat> um, what they're going to do if they have it, uh, the, the, the people that got, selected for the 2020 market will mm-hmm. be this year and so um the, i'll i'll be one of the the ones that were from the 2020 market mm-hmm. and uh yeah should be should be really cool it'd be nice to go back to, to santa fe i miss i actually miss santa fe a lot um miss being with tony hanging out with him painting in that studio uh my my friends from ii a lot of them still live out there uh, two, of, well, yeah, no, two of my galleries that represent my work are out there, and um, they just, Santa Fe just got like a, the whole art like feeling to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I applied to a couple of fellowships too, and if one of those hit, then uh, I'll stay here in Tulsa, and uh, you know, keep doing what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. except not working at the casino. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do that much longer. <laughs> yeah. It's getting to be a little overwhelming. I feel you. I feel you on that, man. Yeah. It gets uh it gets real stressful. It's yeah. real uh you just you just understand and realize that you're pretty much your whole time is over there. Yeah. And when when it's your days off, you just want to sleep or yeah. rest and it's it's yeah. not a good healthy way to live. Yeah. I mean, like I'm sure the money's okay and you get to meet like a lot of cool people you yeah. know but you know i know you're an artist yeah i know you have other things that you do want to do it's true and uh that's just the way it goes man like you know yeah like so my family we all we've all worked at that casino at least one time in our life uh three of my sisters currently work there right now yeah. and they've made really great careers out of what they do and if art wasn't something that I was so passionate about, I would be okay with still being at the casino. But because I don't have any free time, it gets really, really hard to paint, go to the gym, and still have uh, a normal, decent life. Yeah. So right now I'm working on this really, really dope commission. Um, this. Uh, so check this out. This is a crazy story. Uh, hold on, I gotta scoot back up to my microphone. <laughs> um, so right before the the pandemic happened, uh, it was like Super Bowl time, or before everything started to shut down. Me and Wes didn't even know it was Super Bowl Sunday. We were like, let's go get a drink. So we went to uh, the warehouse on Brookside. We see a lot of people there. And we're like, I wonder what all these people are doing. It turns out Chiefs are at the Super Bowl. So we grab a beer and we go sit outside. There's this girl that's like 
kind of watching the game right next to us and um i like see her purse and it's from this place called the gucci garden which the gucci garden is only in florence italy mm-hmm. and so i was like damn that girl has a really expensive purse i was like wes you see that purse right there I was like there's only one place to get it and that's in italy and so um anyway we start talking and uh i told her i was like i bet you two shots that i can guess who sold you that purse and she's like okay there's no way in hell and so i get out my phone and my friend works there and so i was like is that the girl that sold you that purse she was like what the hell (laughs) so anyway we we start talking and she tells me that her and her boyfriend own this realtor property thing and they go buy a lot of these old apartments renovate them and like make them good again and uh a year goes by and we kind of keep in touch through instagram she'll like some of my paintings and whatnot she uh asked me to uh paint something for her so uh right at this point i'm working on right now which is a lot of the properties that they own Mm -hmm. um, all into one painting and it's sort of collaged together it looks really cool and i'm actually really excited on how this is going to turn out it's definitely like pushing me out of my comfort zone because typically i focus mostly on like figurative stuff and not so much like landscapey kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so um i'm excited to see how this thing turns out and if i like it then i might continue with this uh type of work and maybe push that into indian market mm-hmm. so but yeah i don't know we'll see see where it goes yeah right now i don't have any sort of like theme that i'm working in i'm I like the astronauts and I like the birds, but uh, I want to sort of break away from the astronaut for a while. Uh, I feel like unless there's a new narrative that can kind of pop up with it, then it's sort of just going to become like a a relic of who I am, which is okay. Like I'm totally fine with like maybe like having a uh, cameo of a little astronaut helmet inside of the the painting somewhere that'd mm-hmm. be really dope you know? that'd be cool yeah yeah but not so much about the the whole scene mm-hmm. you know? uh yeah that's about all i've been doing mm-hmm. this entire pandemic no girlfriend nothing like that <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no girlfriend <laughs> just uh just single out here alone <laughs> no i'm just kidding i remember that one painting you did on um well you showed it on facebook it was a uh was it a buffalo and then it was like one side was like forest and then like another side was like a city or something oh yeah 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 and then you asked like what are what do you think this painting is right is that what you asked yeah i think so i thought like i didn't type it in i just looked at it and i thought well, like like is that like our i don't know like our possibly like our indigenous like side like looking at maybe like okay this side is where you know i was or i'm fit to be like you know the nat nature yeah that nature side yeah. or i look at it as like a growth into this mm-hmm. urban setting you yeah. know the city setting of what yeah. that was like yeah i can't remember damn i, have to, I should have looked at it before i started talking about it yeah i know um, which piece you're talking about though is it is he looking 
at one side. Yeah, he's looking more towards the trees as opposed to like the electrical stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, so that piece, a lot of people had that same sort of uh, connection like you did, mm-hmm. where they felt like there was a a conflict or a duality between uh, urbanized Indians and then reservation Indians on one side. But essentially, what that piece was inspired by was uh, the preface of a book called uh, There, There by a guy named Tommy Orange, mm-hmm. who's also another indigenous author. That was my next guess. Yeah. Like, I thought it was that. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, in, in the preface, he talks about like what he calls urban nitty. Like, that was the name of it. Mm-hmm. And um, he kind of speaks like, I really liked how what he was saying was like, just because I didn't grow up knowing plateaus as uh, directional points, um, but I did grow up learning how to find my way through by looking at the skyscrapers. Um, Just because uh, the howls of a coyote don't comfort me, but the howls of the subway do. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't grow up smelling uh, cedar, but the, the gas from a gas station and like stuff like that. Like he was making these comparisons. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically what it all boiled down to was like um, being indigenous is more of a perspective as opposed to doing things a certain way and i really connected with those words Mm -hmm. um so then i decided to paint this bison that was like in the middle of a city where like maybe the the rural part just met the urban part and so he lives in both areas Mm -hmm. and that's sort of like what the the piece became. And I did another one that was about the same thing too. Uh, it was a smaller piece though. Yeah. But most, most everybody remembers that the one that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not sure if I'll do any more of those or not. We'll see. Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they were a big hit. Yeah. So, but I, I made still have them. Think. So they're still for sale. Everybody go buy them. Everybody go ahead and make uh, them an offer. Yeah, just email me at GHA1491. This is George Alexander. You're going to want yeah, a painting from him. Yeah. Hopefully. You're going to want a painting from him. <laughs> eBay. Oh, eBay. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> if you want you, you want a good retirement fund, buy my painting now. <laughs> it's going to rise. It's like a stock. It's like Bitcoin, it's but better. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, have you have you dived into Bitcoin at all? Mm-mm. What about like the Dogecoin thingy? Yeah, we have. Uh, is it, yeah, that we bought that one. We bought like because uh, it was only like point two whatever. Yeah. So when we bought it, it went up to like almost a dollar. Ooh. And I was like, holy fuck! But then it went down. But yeah. like with the stock, you can't like yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. watch the dips, it. The dips yeah. are gonna happen. You man. can't you can't be obsessed with it. You yeah. just have to let it sit, and if it dies, and it dies, that's real. You know. So I mean, because I, we were she was watching it, yeah. 
And she was like, oh, it's down. And I'm like, don't stop watching it. Cause yeah, stop don't, watching don't it. Don't do that. <laughs> um, I recently found out that I missed out on a really great opportunity. Like I found this out yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, about two months ago, there was a gallery that reached out to me and uh, asked if I would be interested in selling NFTs. And I had no idea what an NFT was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still quite don't understand it. But they said that would be paid in Dogecoin and Bitcoin. And uh, at the same time, there was this creepy guy that the the coffee shop that I go to, mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of stalking me a bit, but not really. It, it was just a weird situation. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's this dude from the coffee shop that's messaging me because they didn't tell me who they were. Uh-huh. And so I kind of just like ignored it. So yesterday I had another person message me about this NFT thing. And they told me about a friend of mine who got in on this gallery. And then the first two days made a lot of money, like life-changing money. Um, and so I told him that I would talk to him and, uh, like I don't, I'm not saying that I'll do it yet because I don't know anything about it, and um, but I've, I'm curious enough to talk. Mm-hmm. So I talked to my friend who he had mentioned, and um, see what gallery he was in, and it was that damn gallery that reached out to me that I thought was this weirdo guy, <laughs> and I was so pissed, because <laughs> I, yo. We could have all been on the Man, come up, bro, right oh now. <laughs> God. Yeah. That oh. hurt. That hurt. But <laughs> you live and you learn. Can't take every risk. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Bitcoin, like paying you in Bitcoin. Like, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's so, it's blown up so much. Did you hear about that NFL dude? Huh. I think it's, his name's Russell Okung. He's from OSU, I believe. Yeah. Nobody stoned me for that. <laughs> I might be butchering his name and where he's from, but I'm pretty he's sure he's from OSU. OSU. No. He's from Tulsa. <laughs> it's fucking... No, but um, I think he plays for the... I want to say the Seahawks. I might be fucking it up again, but yeah. anyways, I think he he took like half of his salary as Bitcoin. Wow. So what that did was made him like... I think it was either the top player... Or maybe like one of the top like paid players in the NFL just because he did that. Wow. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Like there's all these articles like damn smart as hell, like doing that and because mm. I think he had like a relatively low it was still in the millions, but it's still relatively low like uh payment that he was gonna receive from the NFL. Yeah. Then he's like, just do half that and then half in Bitcoin. Wow. And so sure enough, like Bitcoin's like what? Fifty three thousand dollars a share or yeah, something like that. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, it is insane. I had like a like not even a, like a, a fraction, like two hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, and inside Robinhood, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like the next day, it was like up to two hundred and fifty. I was like, ah, I need that, so I'm gonna take that. <laughs> and I really wish I would have kept it in there. <laughs> Oh man, um, it's nice when it's there, and you're like, "I'll take it, fuck it." <laughs> but then you feel like shit after it's Yeah, because like, then it just keeps rising. And you're like, "I was an idiot." <laughs> um, I, 
but I still don't know how these stocks things work. Like I got money invested in some stuff and I'm just praying that it happens. And then the moment that I invest, I read about them and then like they're doing horrible. And I'm like, Oh, maybe that wasn't a good investment. <laughs> so if you need, if you need a painting, come to me, but if you need stock advice, you don't want to come to me. <laughs> what stocks do you have? Oh, I don't want to tell you because you're going to laugh. I'll tell you mine. I'll tell You tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. Let's see. Um, is it Nicola? Nicola? No. I did have a little bit of that. The hydrogen one? Yeah. Or it's like a Tesla's like um, enemy, I guess. Yeah. I so there's what beef, they there's do. There's real beef in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have. What makes them different is that it's like a hydrogen and electric motor. That they're building. Oh, really? Yeah. I just read that it was like a nice stock to invest. Yeah. It was my, one of my first ones. Yeah. So the, I was like, okay. They got a truck called the Badger and it looks pretty, pretty mean. Mm -hmm. If this whole EV thing doesn't pan out the way that everybody thinks, then hydrogen is like the next best answer. No shit. Yeah. Should have bought more than one share. Yeah. <laughs> but Miles I don't know, ones. man. I don't know <laughs> if hydrogen is going to pan out the way that everybody thinks either. Because, like, EV's taken off. Like, mm -hmm. that's where you really want to go. So I have, uh, <laughs> I got some money in AMC right now. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. It's up, by the way. Yeah. Not, I bought it at like a dollar or something to share. Wow. Yeah. Now you're, you're up. I am not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and then I got into an EV uh, startup called um, Canoe. And I've heard of that one. Yeah, they they had a deal with uh, Hyundai, mm -hmm. or not not Honda, but Hyundai or whatever. Yeah. And they recently just backed out on it like two days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But like, what I like about the Canoe uh, people is that they're – trying to be a, like innovative like the cyber truck and yes everybody agrees that the cyber truck is ugly as shit but that's only because we're not used to seeing trucks like that we're not used yeah. to seeing vehicles like that i don't think anybody really thought the model t was all that great looking at first but then we've grown accustomed to it and then cars just transformed from there you know mm -hmm. um you know, it's just it's just going to take a while to get used to. And so Canoe, uh, their their truck kind of looks like a rounded version of a cyber truck. Yeah, yeah, kind of looks like a pill almost. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily like the way they look, but that's because I'm just not used to it yet. Yeah. But I think if I were to get one, I'd probably love it. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. So and right now they're like twelve dollars a share too. Really? So, yeah. I have to get in on that too. Yeah. Yeah. Get in on it, but don't get in on it before I buy more. <laughs> I buy all of it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. So I got Workhorse. You heard of that one? Huh. What is that? Um. Oh, Workhorse is a technology company which engages in the provision of drone integrated electric vehicles to last a mile delivery sector. Wow. Yeah, it's it's that new it's new too. Yeah. But I mean it's up. That's good. Yeah. yeah I think right I bought... now is like at fourteen dollars, it seems like. 
You got any? Uh, Let me see where my stocks are. <laughs> you got any cannabis? I, I was in Aurora for a while, and then I threw all that money into um, AMC, mm. and uh, right now my AMC is not doing great. Like it was up to like five fifty, and then I should have cashed out then, but then the next day it dropped. So I'm like, well, looks like I'm gonna have to stick with you a little bit longer. <laughs> so right now I just have those two, canoe and AMC. Oh really? Yeah. I got. Oh, and then there. some Dogecoin. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I'm up. Like, actually, no, I'm down. I'm down four dollars. Damn. Yeah. I got AMC, Nicola, Workhorse, NRZ. APH. You have a very diverse portfolio there, Mr. Sun Eagle. Sir, stop. (laughs) (laughs) OGI, DVAX, huge, whatever that is. Huge. That's cool. That's cool. TXMD and uh, APA. APA was like a free one that when I signed up for this. Oh, yeah. And that one's like 17 right now. I don't even remember. Oh, I had a Ford. For your first one? Yeah. I had Ford as my first stock. And then I bought some Ford because the Mach-E just got released. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know how this shit works. So I was like, well, it didn't do what I thought, so I'm just going to sell it. <laughs> Should have kept it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, oh, you man. live and you learn. Okay. Your first painting isn't the greatest. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I just... I buy this stuff and then I just leave it alone and I'll get little messages of like your stock's doing well. So here's 50 cents nice, or something, you know, I'll never get those. Really? Yeah. Cause my stocks always do horrible. <laughs> oh, it says dividends. Oh, you get, di- Oh, who yeah. do you get dividends from? Uh, probably workhorse Apache. That's Apache. a APA. That's a free one. That's a free wow. one. And, um, nice man. Who else? Not AMC yet. Cause it's, that one's still like jumpy. Yeah. But APA, like that was the one that's been giving me dividends. Every time you hear you say APA, I think of uh do you remember the Acolytes Protection yeah. Agency? Yeah, that's what I thought of too when I saw that. It's <laughs> like, oh Farouk and Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I grew up watching WCW and WWE. WWF. Yeah, WWF. And I don't keep Sue me. Oh man. Sue me. It was <laughs> That was the greatest time of wrestling, dude. Yeah, like my dude was Kane. Did you like Kane? I love Kane. He was like, I remember when he came on, and you know he had that mask. Yeah. And it was just kind of like I think his first feud was with Stone Cold Steve Austin, I yeah. believe. And I remember Stone Cold was like hitting him with the chair and like stunners, and you know he'd like do the he'd be laying there and he'd sit up the undertaker sit up, you know, cause eventually they were brothers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I and thought so, they were real brothers. I did too. Yeah. 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 That's how real it seemed to me. Yeah. And you, yeah. Like, Everybody else too. It was good storytelling yeah. and you, it was just believable. Dude, my, uh, WCW, uh, I, I like that better than WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, sting was my dude. Sting's the man. I remember like they would tell us that he came in on a, like a, a silent helicopter or something and nobody heard him come in. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> then him and Hollywood Hawk Hogan would like oh, man. be in it all the time. And then NWO blew up. Man. I had a feeling the moment that they started doing those factions though, 
that it was like done really yeah like nwo red and like all that mm-hmm. yeah they should they just should have just kept it as like one thing they like yeah it was uh well it was new like the faction thing like yeah. i mean you had the four horsemen back yeah. back in the day but yeah like it was so like becoming mainstream i remember when yeah um i didn't know who scott hall and uh, oh yeah xbox no uh kevin nash oh kevin nash i didn't yeah. know who they were but i remember they were in the audience oh and yeah and like the camera panned to them and uh whoever the announcers were at the time were like that's a uh, you know scott hall and kevin nash what are they doing here you know and yeah they're like they were wwf and i was like what what's wwf because i was just getting into it too yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and so anyways they started like jumping the barricade and jumping yeah. in and they're like this is crazy like this is not oh supposed to be happening it's and a I big slobber like, knocker <laughs> And I remember, I remember that night when they just like caused havoc. Yeah, and I think I kind of vaguely remember this too. Actually. You have to YouTube it because yeah. that's the night when they jumped the Four Horsemen, I believe. Uh-huh. And I remember they. Um, that's when Kevin Nash threw Rey Mysterio into that trailer. You remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that night. Oh. So man. he picked up uh, Rey Mysterio and he just like threw threw him like a dart into the trailer. Boom. Ooh. And. Uh, he was like laying there, and I forgot who. I think Psychosis or somebody was there with him, and then the Scott Hall and Nash took off in their limousine or something, and then then they started talking about that third man thing, and then uh, if you watch like documentaries, like um, if you just check out like stuff they were talking about, yeah, they wanted Sting to be Hulk Hogan. Wow, they wanted Sting to be the leader of the NWO, yeah. but they're like, I don't think it'll work, you know, because like Sting's like the man, you know, and yeah, and um. I don't, they didn't think he could carry like like Hulk Hogan did, you know, because yeah. when Hulk Hogan came and he turned, there was like, I remember I seen like, I watched the Bash on the Beach thing like maybe a couple of months ago and there's like these kids crying wow. <laughs> because like, you know, it's like, like uh, it's the Hulkster. Like the, yeah, yeah. He was the good guy for the, the longest time. Like a superhero pretty yeah. much, you know, telling you to eat your vitamins and all this shit and then he just like turns heel and it's like the greatest thing he probably could have ever done. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's like the like the greatest thing he could have ever done was turn heel and just be this like guy that everybody loves so much, but now you just fucking hate him. You hate him for what he's become and selling yeah. out, and and it was like it was just like a great time to be like a fucking kid, yeah. like watching this stuff, dude. Yeah, we had we had the best wrestling Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, like everything was. At its peak, at yeah. that, by the time when we were kids, yeah. Digimon, Pokemon, fuck. Did you? Oh man, I think the one thing I watched like when I was a kid was uh, Beast Wars. Oh, dude, I that? love Beast Wars, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that, what was that guy's name? Like Cheetah or something? Cheetor. Cheetor, yeah, that uh, was my Rhinox, boy. and he yeah. had um, Optimus Prime, the, the Gorilla Prime, yeah, Gorilla Prime, and then yeah. um, he had Megatron, but he's a T Rex. Yeah, I mean, he had like all these like great characters and. I remember waking up every morning, like, just be tired of shit still, but I'd yeah. still sit there and watch it. Me and my cousins would watch it. Dude, that was so... And then they did something of, like, they went into the future or something like that, and Cheetor becomes, like, a robotic-looking cheetah. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah. And then whenever they came out with a toy, I had to get that thing, dude. <laughs> it was so badass. I loved it, but... It was too expensive. Yeah. So my friend Eric, he got it. 
And uh, I would go to his house and play with that. I was like 13 years old (laughs) playing with this motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, dude, no. Beast Wars was the shit. Uh, Did you ever watch Beetleborg? It came on UPN. Uh, It was sort of like Power Rangers, but... I remember Beetleborg, but I never like watched it. Yeah, my sister was into it. Was she? Yeah. And so like I would watch it with her. It was good. It wasn't bad. Recess. Recess. Recess is Recess good. was the shit. Yeah. TJ. Yeah, yeah. Spinelli. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doug. Like, Damn, oh, like Doug. Oh, oh, Rocco's Modern Life, Rocco's bro. Rocco's Modern Life. Yo, you can't go wrong with Rocco. Did you uh I think there's a one on Netflix. Did you watch that one? No, not yet. Is it good? It's pretty good. Yeah. It's 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 not as good as like before, but yeah. it's still Rocco's Modern Life, yeah. so I still watched it. I see. But it's so like, I think it's like they're trying to catch up with time now. Yeah. You know, because back then it, it wasn't like now, dude, where you got like internet everywhere and like video games. Like, I mean like online video games. Yeah. Dude, when online video games came out, I was actually really disappointed. Like... I knew that RPGs would kind of like take the back burner. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was, oh man, dude. Uh, I loved like the stories on all these damn games. Mm-hmm. And then I remember playing uh, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or Tony Hawk Underground Two with my buddy Kurt mm-hmm. at his house, and we would play online all the time. And we wouldn't play anything else but that. <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck. Like, <laughs> This is fun, yeah. but like I want to play some Final Fantasy or some shit, you mm-hmm. know. Um, then like I remember playing Dante's Inferno, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah. shit, Metal Gear. Yeah, dude. Did you play Death Stranding? Mm-mm, I never played that. Oh, bro. What's that? It's the new one by Kojima. It came out right before the. It was sort of freaky mm-hmm. because basically what it you're a highly regard uh amazon delivery guy is what you are for real (laughs) yeah but like you're not called that in the game but like you're just delivering packages because nobody can leave their house because of this this rain that falls and it gets everybody sick hmm yeah and it had that, that game came out like right before the pandemic it it's kind of freaky Well, it's like that Netflix documentary. Just the no, oh, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It came out right before <laughs> the pandemic. The pandemic. <laughs> That's yeah. weird. Too. Yeah, and they were saying that Oklahoma would have been the worst spot uh, to to be in mm-hmm. if if a pandemic were to happen because there's no um, like CDC hub type thing here. Yeah, because they're all on the coast, and it would take a lot longer for them to to get the vaccine here. Mm-hmm. But we got it. Yeah. You don't need it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fucking. (laughs) Just put put Russ on blast right there. (laughs) Shut up, George. Nobody knows about that. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to edit that out. I I had COVID, everyone. But I'm still here. Yeah, didn't take Body's him out. still fighting. That's right. He's good. <laughs> He's good. COVID was weird, man. Yeah, what was it like? It was, uh, I just had like, I think I had like a, I don't think we had the full 
strain of it. Yeah. I think. I think we had like a easy strain or whatever, however the fuck you talk about strains. Yeah. Because she thought she had a uh, sinus infection. Yeah. You know, so I get those too. So yeah. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and then um, co- her coworkers got sick or one tested positive. So I was like, fuck. You know, and then I started, like, feeling, like, this congestion in my head. Yeah. You know? So I was like, oh, it's weather changing. Because this is, it happens all the time. Yeah. I get a sinus thing when the weather changes from hot to cold, cold to hot, whatever it is. You know how cold it is. Yeah. And so I was like, like, okay, like, I guess I get tested. And I knew I was going to test positive because we've been around each other. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, like, I, I didn't know, like, what to expect. I didn't know. I just read stories of different things that happened. Yeah. So I was like, well, shit, I guess if I die, then I'm di- I'm dying. So, <laughs> like, because there's, there's nothing there's, you can do, man. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no, like, medicine or anything. Like, yeah. So I get tested and, you know, I go to Pawnee to do a rapid test. Mm-hmm. So we're driving back and it's like, like an hour later, they call me and the doctor's like, like, hey, uh, let you know you have COVID. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of figured that. And he goes, who have you been around? You know, who would you get it? So I had to tell him like where I've been. And I yeah. basically, I hurt my back prior to that. So uh-huh. I missed like a week of work. Yeah. And so it worked out because I wasn't around anybody. I was here. Yeah. So, and then when she started feeling weird, she called in too. Mm. And then even when she was here, they called her and that's when they told her that like, Oh, your coworker got it. So that's why she got tested. But we were here around yeah. each other. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. You guys didn't about. go out and do stuff. Yeah, we weren't yeah. out and about or whatever. So, you know, I was like, fuck, you know. So he goes, he goes, well, like it was really weird because he goes, well, there's nothing we can do for you. He said, the, the best thing I could tell you is if you feel really 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 bad like something you've never felt before go to the er and he said and let us know here so we can pay for it you know because we don't know what's going to happen with like your how your body's going to take it yeah because i guess everybody's body takes COVID differently yeah so he was like we don't know like how your body's going to react to having covid so i was like fuck like that's not like a good thing to hear yeah yeah so I was like, okay, you know, whatever, cool. So, you know, and he goes, oh, and by the way, he goes, uh, if you die, you die. <laughs> I, I think he was like kind of trying to say that, but yeah. no, no, I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes, and if you come here, he goes, I mean, we don't really know what to prescribe you. We could wow. probably give you like some antibiotics, but we don't know if like they're going to work. So. He goes, I guess your body's just going to have to find a way to fight it off. And I was like, fuck. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, we got back and man, I started feeling like, oh man, my head felt like, my head felt like it was going to explode. Oof. My head, I had like the worst headache for like a week straight. Oh, it sucks, man. And uh, it was really weird. And then I just felt like all this congestion. Oh, and then when I got my COVID test, you know, they put it through your nose. Yeah. And that's like really uncomfortable. So they stick it all the way in there and it touches the back of your throat. 
and they pull it out. When they pulled mine out, I had like just all this blood come uh. out because I had a congestion yeah. already. Yeah. And so they're like, are you okay, man? Like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm congested. So I thought it was a sinus infection. Turns yeah. out it's COVID related. Yeah. So, and so, you know, I'm like, so I get back here and I lay down and I go to sleep because I, I got really tired because we woke up at like seven to get mm-hmm. there by eight. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm gonna go to sleep. I wake up, I still have a headache. Go to sleep, I still have a headache. And so that was like my thing. And then I lost my appetite. And I just didn't feel like drinking or eating anything. So I lost like 30 pounds. Did you lose your taste? No. I kept my taste. I kept my smell. Um, Everybody's like, oh, you're lucky then. I'm like, not really because I didn't feel like eating. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel like drinking anything. Yeah. So I lost like about 30 pounds, man. Wow. In about two weeks. And it was just really weird, man. It was like... um, I don't know. I just didn't feel like eating. I so what like, did you do? Did you just like... I just laid. I just laid in there. Like Tylenol or like... Mucinex. Yeah. Mucinex and aspirin. Aspirin. And But prior to that, we were taking uh, vitamin D, vitamin C, mm. zinc. The whole works. I think magnesium because that stuff kind of helps your immune system. It, it doesn't repel it, but it helps if you get it i guess yeah we're taking that stuff so uh, that helped i'm assuming so because i have i wasn't taking that stuff before yeah and then i was like um i mean it was bad but it wasn't like horrible like yeah you I, were one of the lucky ones yeah, yeah and but i did i did have shortness of breath mm-hmm. because i took our dog out to go use a bathroom and she was like dragging me and wow. i was trying to hold her back and I just felt like I got tired, yeah. and I was like, huh. and then I was like, oh fuck! Like I didn't say anything because yeah, I was I'm like, I don't, want, I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want to worry anybody. So yeah. I didn't say anything, and I just like, I'm like, well, I was like, that was weird. So I'm just gonna, that happens, I guess. Shortness of breath. Yeah. So yeah. And then work was cool. Like the place I work at, they're like, yeah, just you know, stay back, chill, kick back, you know, yeah. relax try to get better and i got covid pay for that and and uh yeah i'm glad you're okay man i started you know i started feeling better and just slowly started getting back in the you know the way of things went and went back to work man and oh man i was so tired i'd move around and i'd get like out of breath Wow. And I'd have to sit down and they're like, yeah, just take your time. Just take breaks. And yeah. if you need to leave early, just leave early. Like yeah. it, they were real understanding. and That's real dope. Yeah. And so it was, it was really, it's really different at that job than a casino. Yeah. Because the casino is like always on you. They don't want you to miss work. Mm-hmm. I always felt like if I called in because I was sick or wasn't yeah. feeling something, feeling good. I was, I felt like I was uh, letting them down. That sucks. I felt man. disappointed. Yeah. But these guys are like, yeah, maybe you go home. You, yeah, you know, you don't feel good. You know, yeah. we'll handle it. <laughs> it's cool. it's really you different. Work at now? It's this place called Clean Uniform. Clean Uniform. It's a warehouse, yeah. and I work there part time, and um, it's a really cool job. Like, <clears throat> I unload like seven trucks a day, but it's not like they're not filled up with stuff. Like yeah. they have like dirty, not dirty clothes, but clothes that are just worn like once a day. Do you guys like uh, 
you guys have vans that have like the your logo on the yeah, side? Yeah, the clean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about now. And they have like like four to six carts in their truck and just yeah. pull them out and I put them in line and for one summer. That's it. I um <laughs> when I lived in Santa Fe, I worked for a water company called The Waterman. And what we did was fill up those blue jugs that you see like in office spaces. And then you get water from them. Mm-hmm. So we, our job was to fill them. They're like, I want to say five gallon jugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they weigh like 80 to 100 pounds. Jesus. Yeah. They ain't light. And um, this was the worst job. Or the, uh, the, not the worst job, but like definitely the late, most labor intensive job I've ever had. Because mm-hmm. like, the they put these jugs on a conveyor belt and they would wash and then fill them up in a matter of like five seconds and so then you capped it and you threw it onto this like blue crate mm-hmm. and uh you would put like 18 of these jugs onto one crate and so you had to do this all simultaneously so that way the the thing doesn't get jammed. And dude, I jammed that thing like 20 times all the time. Oh, and then, there's something um some sort of chemical that they use to uh uh clean the water with and mm-hmm. you breathe in the vapor and uh it will make you get shorter breath if you mm-hmm. breathe it in long enough. But and eventually you kind of get used to it, which is not good. Like mm-hmm. don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but like by the end of the day you would have picked up and put down the equivalent of like three cars by yourself shit yeah dude and so you remember where the trap house was is yeah 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 yeah. so um i was living there Mm -hmm. i would ride my bike all the way down to Silas. No shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah, which was a seven mile or no. It was like a 14 mile trek. Yeah, I was going to say it's yeah. longer than that. Yeah, it was like a 14 mile trek. So it was 28 miles every Fuck. day. Dude, best shape of my life yeah. right there. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. My modeling career was on point at that point in time. <laughs> damn yeah man and then one day my my the owner's wife was like do you want to ride home uh, i'd love a ride home yeah. <laughs> and so whenever i told her where i lived she was like you ride your bike every day from here to go to work there oh my god yeah. i'd wake up like at 6 30 in the morning i'd get there probably by like 7 30 and um go to work Till three, four o'clock, and then ride back. Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, yeah fucking awful job. <laughs> yeah, awful job. How long did you work there? Just for a summer. Just for a summer? Yeah, it was just a summertime gig. Didn't even get paid that well, but you know, incredible shape though. Incredible shape. Yeah, incredible yeah. Shape. If I was a football player, that's that's a job to have right there. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> then like. What else have I done? I was a roofer for a while. I roofed my cousin Connie. That was fun. But I burned the back of my leg. I had this gnarly little tar scar, like, 
right here and a couple of drops on my arm. But now I can say I roofed and lived that life yeah. for about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that, man. That is that is also a really, really hard job, too. Shout out to roofers, man. Or yeah. Anybody in construction, you know, my hat's off to you guys because I, I definitely, I, I can't do it. It's not for me. Yeah. You you guys are built different. That's for sure. <laughs> I did that for a summer roofing. Yeah. Well, not like houses, but or a tribal building. Yeah. It needed a new roof, so they there's four of us and there's a big ass roof. Mm-hmm. And I ain't done that before. Yeah. And the guy that they hired that hasn't done that before. So the two guys that were in charge, they knew how to do it. Uh-huh. And we we're just there to help and here in Oklahoma, oh yeah, bro, on that hot roof with all that yeah, heat just coming up. Were you guys laying tar? No, let's see. We had to take all the shingles off at yeah. first, so you know, make it bare. And then, uh, fuck, I had to bring up the fucking shing or the oh yeah, I had to bring those up on the ladder. That's right. And they're like, bring two up, and I was like, man, I'm gonna fucking die. I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean bring two? <laughs> How you want me to hold on to this ladder? <laughs> So I did do it. I did do it. I yeah. put two on my shoulder and I walked up. And they were like, "Oh, just kidding! You have to do that." God. <laughs> yeah. God damn it! <laughs> you got broken neck. <laughs> we were working um, on a building out in Owasso, and uh, we were laying these long strips down. I don't know what they're called, but we would mop tar down and then like kind of roll it out. Mm-hmm. onto the tar and let the tar would dry or whatever and one day i was carrying two buckets of tar with me and i didn't see this pipe sticking out of the ground or sticking out of the roof and i hit it and it splashed on the back of my pants i've never took off my pants so oh, quick in my life i had this big old blister just boil up instantly. Oh, shit. yeah it was it was nasty looking and uh, I knew eventually it was going to happen, but, like, I just didn't know when. Like, anybody who's carrying two buckets of hot tar, it, it's going to splash on them eventually. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. So, luckily, mine wasn't as bad as some others. Like, my cousin, he had it all splashed on the side of his body and had burns everywhere. You know, it was nasty, you know. Damn. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um Yeah, we'd have to do that <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Um Yeah, I remember as a kid I, I, I worked for them too. But like my, my grandma was getting her roof changed mm-hmm. and so I would bring up like small sheets of shingles up to them on the just to make me feel like I was doing something, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I meant to maybe I was meant to be a roofer. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> that or be a musical lyricist. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Rapping? Shoot. Yeah. Shoot, man. Pretty G's here. Let me spit that flow, yo. <laughs> 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 no, I can't rap worth shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Fuck. So what have you been up to since after IA, man? Uh... Not much, dude. We moved back here, and then I started working at River Spirit. Yeah, well, I remember that. 
I was we lived with my brother in Tahlequah. Yeah. We moved back here and at that time he had a gym. Uh-huh. It was Battleground MMA. And so I started training over there and I was like when I started doing that I was out of MMA and all that for yeah. about 2 years and then he was like, "Man, come train." And I was like, "All right." So, I started training again and just like getting back into it and i was like yeah you know like i feel good i'm feeling real good so i started you know losing weight and getting in shape and started feeling that confidence again and then i think it was like maybe three weeks into it we were we were conditioning after a Mm -hmm. workout or training or whatever and so he was making us you know sprint back and forth yeah and so we were sprinting and Man, I felt this weird pop in my calf. Oh, no. And, like, it, I just felt something pull. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. I thought somebody threw something at my leg. Yeah. And I, like, started limping off. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. Something's wrong with my leg. And so I took, I sat down, and he started looking at it. He's like, man, I think you uh, tore your calf. And I was like, what? No way. And so... He was like, it should heal on its own. You know, I don't think, I, th- I guess, you know, so it did. It healed on its own, but man, it fucking hurt. Like, Oof. and I was like, fuck, like every time, like I'm injury prone, dude. Yeah. I'm really injury prone. Yeah. Like, that's why I stopped doing jujitsu. Like yeah. the first time, because I, I was grappling this one dude and my big toe, I don't know how, but it goes bam it jammed like right into the mat uh, and i thought i i thought I, i'm pretty sure it was broken and oh my god it fucking hurt and it was like we still had to like train like an hour left yeah. or something yeah oh man that fucking hurt matt toe bro oh uh. my god and it was like i've never experienced something yeah. like that and so i i was like, i'm just gonna take a break mm. you know and then that's when we met so then i like retired <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you get your relationship yeah. and then i like got my blue belt and i guess that happens too like when you get your you blue belt Sarman? Were, were you still at iai i was out of i but i we met at a we're playing stickball oh at osu or no, no, no um in the circle at IIA. oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. The, i think it was james and Atani. they yeah. were like you were playing stickball I don't know if you were there. You, I'm pretty, I kind of quit playing stickball towards the end of my like II career. This was like 2000. Yeah, I probably was like 2013, maybe. Yeah, because that's when we got together. It was her f- final year. No, it was, it was 2013. Yeah, that's when oh. we got together. But yeah. but yeah, we met during stickball, and then I th- can't remember like when I took her out. Yeah, but took her out to see the wolverine oh yeah so romantic bro not really <laughs> <laughs> because we we're just talking about this the other night yeah and i was like i think my brother we were with my brother and he was like asking us how we met and i was like yeah we met a stick ball and i took her out to watch the wolverine like later on and uh <laughs> it, i was like so we got to the theater and i bought my ticket and i was like so you got yours or what you gonna buy yeah, yours you got yours <laughs> what yeah she goes excuse me (laughs) (laughs) and i Um, i eventually like bought it and i bought like i bought everything anyways 
but like, <laughs> it was like a legit question. It was so, like, uh, so, so yeah, yeah, you did bring money, right? You gotta guess it in my car if you didn't bring no money. <laughs> 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 so I'm gonna go watch yeah. the Wolverine. Feel free to sit in oh, this. Just watch my car, car. Yeah. please. Because yeah. last time somebody broke into it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a uh, Jamba Juice right over there. There's a gas coffee. station over there. Yeah. Burger King. If Burger you get King. Hungry. Get hungry. Yeah. You gotta walk though. I have my keys. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Charm. Oh man. Poor Charm. Oh, been dealing with you since 2013, bro. <laughs> I, I feel bad for her. Oh, some man. days. <laughs> and then we got together when. You were living in a house too. Yeah, yeah. That's when I moved in, and because I was living with Diedrich and Derek. Yeah. At that time, when were I we was, roommates? Yeah, remember? Because you lived in that big room. Yeah. No door. I was yeah. looking. I was looking, but uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you lived in that room, and we lived in the one beside you. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember now. Yeah, we're housemates. Yeah. And. I can't believe I forgot that, dude. Didn't you guys had that dog? No, you had a different dog at that time, right? Yeah, we had Lucy at that time. Lucy, yeah. <clears throat> then we got her. Yeah. Which I don't know made Lucy wig out. Yeah. For some reason. Hmm. We found her another home though, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're we're roommates or housemates, and yeah, that was a crazy. Yeah, that house was intense, man. <laughs> I loved it. I I love that house so much. I wonder if there's still anybody living there. I always wonder wonder that too. Yeah. <laughs> like basically what this house was was just like the unofficial fraternity house for fraternity and sorority house for uh II. Yeah. Massive II parties which really ain't all that massive, but like they were massive for us, they, damn it. They were fun. They, they were, were fun as They were fun. definitely legend. I shit, dude. Some of my closest friends are all from II. Like, I can call any of them up right now, and if I needed a place to stay, I'd have a place to stay. Yeah, it's crazy how, <clears throat> you know, we all kind of just ended up over there. Yeah, you know, it's it's really cool, like meeting like all these different indigenous people and yeah, finding out because like. I'm from here and I was really young. So I heard of like Navajos and, yeah. but I never met like a Navajo. I don't, I don't think. Other than powwows, I don't know of other places where you can meet so many different kinds of Indians. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, like here, like powwows, it's like the same tribes. Yeah. Like you got your creeks and your Otos and. Choctaws, you know, you know all the tribes around here. Yeah. But like when I went out there it was like oh shit, Navajo, oh shit, Sioux, oh yeah. shit. What the California natives? Dude, I mean yeah. everywhere. Ojibwe. Menominee. Yeah. Canadian tribes I never heard of before. From Canada. Yeah. I mean it's crazy like how much how many people from everywhere you meet. Yeah. And so it was like always like a like I, I love that part. Yeah. You know, because had I not left here, I would have never ever experienced anything like that. Yeah. Um, so. Also, like how community based everything was at IAI. It wasn't like it wasn't so small to where like it would have been boring. 
mm-hmm. but it wasn't so big to where nobody cared about each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it was a perfect size and like the midnight breakfast thing was oh. dope. Like that was always a big, big hit. Um, Yours truly. Yeah. I made that up. That's well, what's up. No, <laughs> no I remember we were uh, we went to uh, RJ's office. Yeah. Shout out RJ Martinez, man. You're <laughs> badass. But uh, we went to his office one night. I don't know. We were just playing around. We are like, RJ, we're hungry. And he was like, well, go get something to eat. And we are like, we're broke. And he was like, what do you want me to do about it? Or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, man, I was like, cook us something. <laughs> like, you know, just playing around. Because yeah. played, we played around with him all the time like that. Yeah. And he just kind of looked around and. He was like, well, what would you want? And I was like, I don't know. Breakfast sounds good. He's like, so you'd eat breakfast at this time? But I was like, dude, I'll eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, breakfast just sounds good right now. And because, uh, you know, Santa Fe, everything closes early. Yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah, yeah. closes real early. And I think the only thing is like McDonald's. But broke yeah. college kids, you really you can't even drive out yeah. to McDonald's. It's either like, oh, I need to save this gas or. Yeah. Or, yeah, I go to McDonald's. <laughs> but, uh, and then, like, I, maybe, like, a month later or something, he started doing, like, the midnight breakfast thing. I think it was once a month. Yeah, it was I definitely think. once a month. Yeah. yeah. And it was, like, really exciting. I was like, oh, man, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, just something like that. It was, like, everybody was up in the common area. And then, like, him and Ari's were just, like, cook, like, chefing it up. Yeah. Like, sausage any like all these like crazy things pancakes pancakes or eggs. waffles yeah. eggs sausage bacon like it was like yeah it was so cool man because they didn't have to do that that's you know? true yeah that's they did not true. have to do that but you know they pulled some funds together and made it happen yeah whether it was out of their own pocket pocket or not you know it was it was a cool yeah thing and like you know it being such a small school uh that's how it made it possible because it seemed as if like I, I knew that it needed to stay like community based. And if they got any bigger, they may not be able to do those type of things. However, they are expanding right now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they just recently built that new theater and they're building something else right now, but I forgot what it is. But, you know, Dr. Martin has, really done a lot of cool things at that at that school um so i'm excited to see what and they, they recently just got a mfa program themselves uh they're well they've had an mfa for writing but now they have one for studio arts had had i known that that they were going to do that then i might have would have just gone there because like I, I liked italy i liked my school but the the community was just way different like I knew everybody at IAI. Mm-hmm. I only had eight people in my MFA class, and I didn't really know who they were at all. Mm-hmm. And that was strange for me. Definitely made me feel like a little homesick. Yeah. Um, I had a really good friend. Her name was Julia. And, um, yeah, we, we always kept each other in check. And, like, she was my, my painting partner. Well, she, she didn't paint. She worked on sculptures. But and drew a lot, um, but yeah. Other than that, like, yeah, I kind of knew who they were, but it's not like at II where, like, everybody hangs out with everybody. Yeah. There was not an out 
an outsider there, mm-hmm. you know. So I loved it. I loved every moment. I, I through my party years, through me pulling my head out of my ass, and me becoming me. Yeah. Like, without that school, I don't know who I would be, but I I know that this is my best version. All right. Uh. Well, everybody, hope you all enjoyed that little conversation I had with Mr. George Alexander. Um, George, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making time to come over and just have a conversation and, you know, tell the listeners who you are and listeners got to know you and we're going to do it again for sure. Yeah, you know, plan on having you and Wes and Brittany on. So that that'd be a really fun episode. But, um, like, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Anytime you have stuff going on or you want to get the word out about anything, yeah. come on and I'll we'll get it in and I'll cool. release it, like, whenever you need me to. So, Sweet. yeah, you know, it goes for everybody that's been on, man. So uh, if you want to shout out your social medias, oh, okay. everything that you got going on, you know. So right now you can follow me on Instagram at, George Alexander the second, second spelled with a two N D. And then my Facebook, which is just George Alexander. Um, be on the lookout for my clothing line, Dead Hat, deadhatco.com. That's where you'll find uh, t shirts that are inspired by my artwork. If you haven't if you haven't checked out his artwork, <clears throat> go to his Instagram page, his Facebook, and go check out his stuff, man. He has really great artwork. Um, and it's, it's all legit. He's been to art schools and he's been to Italy. He's learned his, just everything he needs to know about art. So he's a really great artist and he's, he's well known around everywhere. So yeah, he's a really great artist. Um, uh, if you haven't yet, for some reason, go follow the Oki podcast, Instagram page. We've got a Facebook page. There's a Twitter th- page as well but i hardly get on it so you can follow if you want uh yeah <laughs> okie podcast is available on all platforms apple podcast spotify google stitcher uh amazon music audible it's everywhere it's on youtube uh please subscribe rate and review it'll help it'll help the podcast tremendously and uh yeah uh this was really fun i had a great time Getting to catch up with George. It's been a while since I got to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's been so. a long time. Since we were roommates, then I forgot. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I? <laughs> but I yeah, man. God, I might have dementia, dude. <laughs> You're only 30. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but yeah, man, it was fun. Uh, can't wait till we do it again. Absolutely. And, uh, Hope nothing but great things. Thank you, you know, thank you. With you your clothing well. line and your artwork and everything yeah. else, man. Keep Please. me informed. All Thanks right. for coming on. Thank you for having me. And uh, I guess I'll see you when I see you. Yep. And until next time, everybody, peace.